You are Locked On Indians, your daily Cleveland Indians podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Locked On Indians. I am your host, Jeff Ellis. We got some roster moves to talk about. We have some coaching information to talk about. A few more interesting names that could be out there. A player who uh, hit free agency and a player who might hit free agency. We're still kind of in that whole process right now of moves being made. We don't really have the finalization of rosters. I mean, at this point in time, the Indians could still release several players. I mean, Austin Hedges, uh, Tyler Naquin. These are names that uh, we know well, but uh, may not be Indians come know uh, another month for just a random timeline let's start with uh, the first piece of news that I have uh, loaded up which is Brad Mills is not returning as bench coach he's gonna stay in the Cleveland organization Uh, he opted out of the 2020 season and you know he did manage the Astros for a few years he has that experience he's been Terry for Francona forever he there was you know family tragedy this year Bo Mills, former top prospect in, in the Indian system, um, you know, is Brad Mills' son, and Bo had a child pass away, and there was just a lot going on, and I think some of this is, I, I just think Brad Mills probably, with this time off this year, realized he wants to spend more time with the family. He opted out because of health risks, and from there, he, uh, he enjoyed his time, I'm assuming, and he'll still have a job with the Indians organization, but he's going to be in a different role. Uh, but yeah, he's being reassigned to another role and won't return as bench coach, and I, I don't think this is a failure on his part on any level or form. I think that uh, this is just a Brad Mills uh, wanting a lesser role. So let's talk about the players that are going to get the qualifying offer. Uh, some interesting names on this list. I think five of them we really expected, and then a, a sixth who caught me by surprise, at least. So let's talk about the five that make sense. Trevor Bauer, DJ LeMayhew, JT Romuto, George Springer, and Marcus Stroman. So those were all players that I think we knew. Uh, there was some debate if... Uh, how should I put this? I... Let me swing back around another way and phrase this. I was kind of surprised that Oakland did not extend the qualifying offer to Marcus Simeon. Uh, Yes, I know he's kind of a one-year wonder at this point. He's been average and then had that one fantastic year, but still no qualifying offer. Liam Hendricks being a reliever, I'm not surprised, did not get the qualifying offer. I kind of thought the Phillies would give Didi Gregarious the qualifying offer because at that rate, it's uh, pretty valuable to have a shortstop um, who can perform at his level. Now, I was not surprised by the Angels with Andre Elton Simmons. I was not surprised by Michael Brantley not getting it. I'm trying to think if there's anyone else who really stood out too much with it. Uh, I think, to me, like I said, Simeon's probably the biggest surprise, but I totally get it. And again, it's Oakland. It's an organization that probably doesn't have money. But the one that just kind of blew my mind was Kevin Gaussman getting the qualifying offer from San Francisco. Um, you know, they thought he would get a multi-year offer, and he did have a good year last year. He's always had good stuff, and he's been a solid performer. Uh, but this is a guy who, a year ago, was non-tendered by the Reds. 
he's gonna get 19 million. I was just kind of curious. I'm pulling up his baseball reference page. I I think he accepts that uh, through his career. I mean, I guess he has made. I cannot. Be, he's made 28 million. That does not seem correct so far. Uh, just looking over, but I guess he made nine million in 2019 with Atlanta, nine million with San Francisco. But still, for a guy who has entering his age 30 season and uh, has made 28 million. He has a chance to make 19 in one year. It's a hard time seeing him not accept that uh, this past year. Now, I did not pay a ton of attention to San Francisco, if I'm being honest. They had a lot of breakout performers, uh, but with their late fade, there was not as much to uh, attention for me to, to look there. But for a guy who, through his major league career, has averaged 8.5 strikeouts per nine, he had 11.9 this year. Uh, in 2008, for multiple teams, he had a strikeout rate over 10, so it is an increase. But the other big thing was he had seen his walk rates kind of going up. 2.4 this year. The home run rate has always been over one for his career. The hit rate being lower than the career norm is a bit of a concern for me just because hit rates um, don't typically stay lower. Like I, I don't think it's, it's hard to see him achieving a 7.5 over a many year situation. So it's still a bit of a surprise, especially with how many teams are kind of clutching at pearls, as it were, and talking about how there is you know, no money available and all these uh, gloom and dooms to see Kevin Gaussman get the qualifying offer. Uh, it just, I went, whoa, like, I'm curious. Did anyone else feel that way? Did anyone else, as they're going through the list, be like, okay, yep, this makes sense, this makes sense, this makes, Kevin Gaussman, uh, <laughs> that, was, that was probably my exact read as it was happening. So, in terms of other players, other moves, should we talk 40-man before the break here? Uh, we'll talk 40-man, then we'll talk some names to look at, some other players who have been released, or there's some talk that could be released uh, that should be of interest to the Cleveland Indians. So, just talking 40-man. So the Indians decline, decline the option. I kind of pause there because I'm like, one of those guys you have to talk about is Brad Hand, and we have to kind of go in depth on that in a second, but that may happen uh, after the break. Decline the option on Brad Hand and then both uh, Santanas. They did exercise the option on Roberto Perez. Uh, it's kind of interesting because it's certainly a situation where it feels like there is a higher valuation by far being put on 2019 performance as opposed to 2020 performance, and you look at Hand and you look at Perez. Don't fall into the thing I did where you forget that Domingo Santana is not actually on the 40-man. So with all those releasers, released players, along with their free agents, that put the Indians 30-man roster at uh, at 35, or 40-man roster, I should say, at 35. And then they released Mike Freeman, and it's, I have a feeling this is going to be just like a year ago. It's like, buy Mike Freeman, we'll see you at camp. Like, he is going to be a camp invitee with a chance to make the team again. So that got him down to 34. And then they went back up to 35 when they uh, reinstated Jeffrey Rodriguez from the 60-day disabled list. He was the only player on the 60-day disabled list. So that gives you five spots left. Not counting there are still players that, that they could release. This is uh, this could be just a jumping off point. Uh, he, they have several players, like I said, even at the top of the show, guys like Hedges, guys like... Um, Blanking Taylor Naquin, who could be gone. So it is interesting. Now, names to know. I think 
four near slam dunks. If I was a, a gambling man, I would put money on Nolan Jones, Gabriel Arias, Eli Morgan, and Carlos Vargas taking four of those spots. Beyond that, there are some other players you can debate, but I think those are the names to know, certainly. So we have talked roster changes. We have talked coaching changes. Let's talk about our sponsor, which is Built Bar. I put in my new order on Built Bar uh, over the weekend because I'm down to two. So I, uh, I decided, I, you know, I, I tell everyone to try the mixed box. I got another mixed box myself. And then I had to try a small order of the strawberry ones. I was just curious to see. It's a new flavor. I haven't tried it. And why did I get it right now? Well, A, they're having a, a big sale. And B, you got two free uh, candy apple bars when you did it. So that was just another bonus for me right now and another reason to jump on and get Built Bar. It's the time. This is a product that I don't just do because they're our sponsor, but I talk about because I use it. It's a product that I use every day. It is a product I eat every day. It is my breakfast. It is my go-to. It is the best bar that I have ever tried. And if you want to try that bar, make sure that when you go to BuiltBar.com, use that promo code locked on to get 20% off your order. I was sad. I can't use it anymore. <laughs> you can use it one time. They know, uh, they've cleared the repeats on that. So make sure to take advantage of that locked on promo code. It is a great deal. They're always having sales, and then that gives you another 20% off on, that, on top of that sale. Or they're giving away free bars, or they're giving away some of their new minis. So BuiltBar.com, promo code locked on. So there's been some more players, some interesting information. I read through MLB Trade Rumors, directed me to uh, an article in the Star Tribune in Minnesota by uh, Lavelle E. Neal III that talked about uh, Eddie Rosario could be released by the Twins, could be designated for assignment. He made $7 million this past year. He could be up for about $10 million in uh, salary and with the Twins. And that was really loud. I apologize on the word salary there. But with him, or you know, entering his age 29 year, he is, you know, getting closer to free agency in general. He is not a good defender. He would be a free agent after next season, anyways, uh, after the 2021 season. So he is kind of entering this final year where he's going to be expensive. He's pretty bad in the field. Alex Kirilov is just sitting there, ready and waiting. The Twins need to re-sign Nelson Cruz. This could be a way to save money to, to sign Cruz. And I bring this up because I know Rosario has had some issues with the Indians over the years, but things happen, things flare up. Uh, the Indians could certainly make it. You know, I don't think anyone's going to get upset when they make the team better. And if Rosario is let go, if he's designated for assignment, I don't know if the Indians would claim him necessarily. I don't know if they'd get a chance to claim him but they should certainly consider trying to sign him if that occurs. Again, severe defensive limitations with him. You, I mean, he's better than Fran Mill. He's better than Domingo Santana uh, in the outfield, so you can consider that. Uh, so it could be in some ways even a defensive upgrade, but at the heart of it is he's a productive bat. When you get into the numbers, I still can't believe as a 23-year-old, he had 15 triples. Like, that's the oddest thing whenever I go and I look at his numbers. He had 15 triples in 2015. Since then, he has had uh, seven. <laughs> it's been, you know, it, you don't even have to count it as a full year this year, but he led the league with 15. It shows how weird triples are. Sorry, I'll get off this triple thing. Since then, uh, outside of 2016, he was closer to average. He's been an above-average bat every single year. 
33, 31, 28 home runs from 27, 2018, and 2019. This year, obviously, the home runs were down more, but still a productive hitter, still a productive player, gets on base enough, has power. Defensively, again, something to be, uh, <laughs> nothing to write home about, but he would certainly be an upgrade for the Indians. I don't know what the cost on a player like him is. On him is? That doesn't sound right either. I don't know what his cost would be. He turned 29 at the end of September, so you are getting him for most of his age of 29 here. But, yeah, I think it would be an interesting name. It's kind of shocking to think the Twins might consider just designating him for assignment to save $10 million, but that's where we are with certain teams right now. It's it's an odd, odd world of baseball uh, where... You know, we'll talk about Brad Hand's situation in a bit here, but where teams are just letting talented players go or passing on the opportunity to keep talented players. Rosario, has, in his best season, he was a... Man, I'm having those loud spurts again. I apologize. 4.1 wins in 2018. Other than that, he's been more of like a little below a two-win player, and that's mostly because his defense has been so bad. Offensively, he's like a two-and-a-half win player. Uh, if you... Here's where he could have some valuation. If the M, uh, if the DH is here to stay, there might be more value in someone like him as a DH. Because offensively, he's certainly productive. Defensively, he's a disaster. So finding that middle ground, and if you're the Twins, they don't have that middle ground already because you got Nelson Cruz in place. So he's the natural guy to move to DH if they don't re-sign Cruz, but it's hard to imagine them not keeping Cruz with as much as he has meant to that organization. And another name I wanted to bring up before we finish with more Brad Hand talk and what everything means, Tommy Kaline. Now, Tommy Kaline was with Colorado for a bit, went to Chicago, and had just a, an amazing, blistering, fantastic uh, year that he has never approached since. Uh, strikeout rate of nearly 14, a walk rate of 2.5, home run rate of 0.6, he netted a very expensive piece from the Yankees uh, back then, and Blake Rutherford. Uh, there were other pieces that went in that deal as well. He had Tommy John surgery in August, and he's going to become a free agent after he was uh, outrighted off the 40-man by the Yankees. Now, because of that Tommy John surgery, you're probably not going to get a chance to see him play in 2021. But if you're a team, and this is what I kind of talked about a year ago with, I didn't, I'd forgotten that Tommy Kaline was originally drafted by the Yankees, Colorado to Chicago, back to New York. He was a New York kid, uh, so that, that definitely stinks for him that he got released there. And I was kind of curious again about career earnings. He's made about $6 million, a little less than in the pros. And because of bouncing around for a bit and due to his late start, I mean, he is going to be... He turned 31 in August, so his age 32 season is probably going to be mostly gone. So you, if you're going to make a run at him, it's the hope for an age 33 and age 34, age 35 season. Uh, there's not going to be necessarily teams lining up for that. And that is why the Indians certainly should look into him. It's the same reason, I don't know if I finished my thought, but last offseason I was like, you are the Cleveland Indians, you excel with pitchers, go get the high-end pitcher. Go get Trevor Rosenthal, because if it works out, you're going to have a very valuable asset. If it doesn't work out, well, he's gone. It doesn't cost you hardly anything. Uh, and for Kansas City, it worked out even better, because they were able to flip him for multiple valuable assets. 
Tommy Kaline, if everything is working, could be a back-end pitcher for the Cleveland Indians. If you can get him at like a three-year contract for like year three as a team option, even if year two and year three are team options, he's not going to have the biggest market because he didn't barely pitch in 2020 and he has not been as effective since he left the White Sox. Uh, he's the type of arm I think you should chase because there is a history of misbats. Even in the you know the years of the Yankees that weren't as good, strikeout rate of 11.6 and 12.9. Uh, walk rate ballooned up to 5.8 last year. is at 2.9. He was actually really strong in 2019 in general. So 2020 was one inning of work, and then 2021 is going to be probably no innings of work. So you're looking at two years removed for a guy moving into his early 30s. It's going to make the market a bit lower and that is exactly the type of guy if you are the Cleveland Indians you have to go for because it's going to be a player with a limited market and with them having limited to no money to spend uh, limited market seems an ideal place to go and try to find talent find someone who can help you um, another interesting arm just was the Giants uh, it, I guess they had some interesting players to me across the board. Uh, Tyler Beatty, former first-round pick, former top 100 prospect, was outrighted. I saw him multiple times in Double A, and much like with Christian Arroyo, I was always like, "This is the guy." I didn't see why the valuation was where it was outside of him being a high pick. Joey Ricard, who had had some success as a Rule Five pick, uh, but has bounced around a bit. The Red Sox declined the option on Martin Perez, who had a pretty good year for the Red Sox. I was kind of surprised. Like, it wasn't great, but 6.8 to get a back end, that seemed seemed eminently reasonable to me. Uh, Mitch Moreland was another one, a $3 million team option. Padres declined it. That's that's really cheap for, uh, for a player. Like, and they traded two pieces to get him. I understand with Will Myers and Hosmer, they already have so many first basemen. If there's no DH, they'd be a mess. But, man, uh, if you're the Indians, Mitch Moreland is another one of those guys that is certainly someone to look at and consider. Uh, he's been really productive the past few years, provides excellent defense, brings more than just one aspect to your team. Uh, and then the other name I wanted to mention, Anthony Banda. I really liked him back in the day, I mean, he has just bounced around. Former high-value uh, prospect with Arizona, went to Tampa, went to San Francisco. An interesting lefty who has had some opportunities in the big leagues, but is only at 51.1 innings at this point in time. I'd love to see if the Indians could help him get back to where he was a few years ago. He, he's, let's see, when's he turning, he just turned 27 in August never have enough lefties. Love to see them take a risk on a, a, t a former top prospect who had the stuff, got hurt, and never seemed to put it all back together. And let's just kind of end the show today talking, well, you know what? We are kind of running low on time, so let's save tomorrow's show to discuss Brad Hand and finances of baseball and what Brad Hand and Roberto Perez very specifically, looking at those two players, how we actually learned a lot from what the Indians did with those two players in terms of picking up and declining options. And we'll talk about those both on Tuesday's show. We're going to talk about Brad Hand and his performance this past year, and we're going to talk about Brito Perez and his performance. Uh, we're going to talk about Nick Anderson of the Rays, and we're just going to discuss why no team wanted to claim Brad Hand, even though he had uh, a phenomenal regular season.
and why does the Indian still uh, have a high valuation placed on Roberto Perez? Uh, when you get right down to it, the difference in cost between Brad Hand and Roberto Perez is two or three million dollars, right? I mean, Roberto Perez is almost six, and Brad Hand is going to cost only nine more because the Indians still have to pay him a million in buyout. So when you look at performance, you would think easily Brad Hand for three million more is going to give you more than Roberto Perez. But why did they go with Perez and not Hand? Listen tomorrow, and we will certainly get into that. I have been Jeff Ellis of the Locked On Indians podcast. You can find me over on Twitter at JeffMLBDraft. That is where I typically jump in when something happens, something occurs, kind of give my hot take on it. Uh, I have, again, I reached out to, um, kind of name drop a little bit here. Uh, I want to make sure I'm getting people's names right. I got to get back to people because I'm also terrible about doing this, but here's another little fun for the future. I have reached out and had agreements with, uh, agreements, that's not the word I want, but people who, are, who have talked about coming on the show, uh, I'm going to butcher his name. Brian from Perfect Game. If you know who Brian, you should know who Brian from Perfect Game is. I think he does the draft better than anyone. He's like anytime. Uh, Emily Walden, who works at the Athletic. She's worked at uh, Baseball America, a lot of places. Great person, knows her baseball. She's agreed to come on. I talked to Adam Lieberman. He's agreed to come on. He's, uh, I've mentioned Liebs is, if you, I know uh, Indian Space One Sider had him come on. Liebs was he ran the social media for the Akron Arrows. He was my media contact when I would go down to Akron. Uh, and before he worked with the Indians, he worked with the 90s Atlanta Braves. Some great stories there. So those are just kind of the first round of like people I've had some interactions with that that could be fun. Uh, I'll get those in the works. Justin and I are going to try to get something going again with the WKYC part of the podcast. So it's not just going to be me. You don't have to deal with just me talking into the mic all the time, which is not necessarily everyone's favorite thing. But uh, make sure you listen and check out and hear some of the fantastic people that we are going to have joining us over the next few weeks. Again, I've been Jeff Ellis. Remember to rate and review the podcast. It really helps. And as always, go Tribe.